and welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA. Uh, this is me, Warren Landis. I am your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. And I want to say hello to our listeners on Spotify and Anchor FM and all the other platforms that we broadcast on here at Sunshine USA. It is great to have you listen today. Uh, I tell you, uh, it is exciting to realize that we have Christian people around the world that are tuning in to this podcast to study God's Word. I have some people that have contacted me and they let me know uh, this podcast every day serves as the launching pad for their Bible study for the day. And I tell you, that that makes me feel good. Uh, I think that if I can get Christians to realize the importance of spending time every day in the Word of God, then I will have accomplished something worthwhile. Because it is important for us as Christians to spend time every single day in the Word of God. That is so very extremely important. Uh, I don't know of any Christian doing anything for God that amounts to anything who does not make it a regular practice to spend time every single day (laughs) in the Word of God. You know, it reminds me a little bit of my days in college. Uh, I was a student over at uh, William Carey College in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, which is now known as uh, William Carey University. And I had Bible class every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning at 8 o'clock. And I was excited about that. I couldn't think of a better way to begin my day than to begin my day studying the Word of God. (laughs) Amen. I tell you, you know. Now, you know, uh, a lot of students, they did everything they could to avoid 8 o'clock classes. They wanted to start at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock. But, you know, man, I, I wanted to get to class as early as I could and get an early start learning everything I could because I knew that what I learned could eventually be put to use in the ministry. Praise God. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, well, uh, today we're going to continue our study of the Gospels. We're doing a parallel approach to the Gospels. And today we're going to be talking about Jesus calling his first disciples. And, and you know, Jesus is still calling followers today. <laughs> but Here, what we're going to be reading about today and studying about today is Jesus following his uh, his very first disciples. Uh, In calling these disciples, (laughs) Jesus recognized the fact that he needed a team. (laughs) And since he was setting an example for us, He knew that we needed the power of teamwork. Jesus knew that for us as Christians today, a bunch of people working together (laughs) can accomplish so much more than any one person alone. Uh, Let's say, for example, you know, you go to such and such a church in your community. Uh, Let's say your church has a radio or TV ministry. Well, chances are, 
if you're buying airtime on TV and radio stations across America, you recognize that these broadcasts cost more than any one person has. But now, if you have a body of believers like the local church, they can pool their money together and they can buy airtime on radio and TV stations across America. You know, they can purchase a building, which is what you folks at church worship in, a building. Amen. The church I go to, we have a building. (laughs) And the reason we have a building is because we have had believers at our church down through the years that have financially contributed to the church and built the building that we have today. Now, um, I, I would say that the building that my church meets in, the San Susi Church here in Greenville, South Carolina, um, we meet in a church that is several decades old. It doesn't lack much of being a century old. And uh, Christians down through the decades have given money that has built the church building that we have today. And I imagine the same is true at your church. Uh, Christians going back years ago saw the need for a building to worship God in, and they pulled their money together, and by golly, they built a church. (laughs) Amen. You know, it's what you call teamwork. And in that way, those Christians who lived before, they have a very exciting way of contributing to the ministry of the church today. Amen. Praise the Lord. So you might say Jesus and his disciples, they formed the very first small group. Now Jesus also knew that these disciples would eventually become the leaders of the church after his resurrection. I think Jesus knew that because he was God. And he felt by taking a group of 12 men, he could disciple them personally, and then they could continue the work even after he was resurrected. Uh, One of the things I take great joy in here at Sunshine USA is putting together a ministry that will actually outlive me if the Lord tarries. I mean, uh, I happen to know, I mean, later this month I turn 68 years old. I know that I've probably got more years behind me than I have ahead of me. But by putting together this ministry called Sunshine USA, I'm putting together a ministry that will continue reaching people for God even after I'm no longer on the scene. And I tell you, when I think about that, that gets me real excited. That's why even now, I mean, I'm praying that the Lord will um, lead me to the people that he wants to serve on the very first board of directors here at Sunshine USA. Uh, Right now, we don't have a board of directors, and I see the need for one. And I want people on this board of directors who love God, 
who live lives that are led and controlled by the Holy Spirit of God, and they believe in a ministry that wants to put Jesus Christ first place, a ministry that wants to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And these will be the people that will be keeping this ministry running long after I'm gone. You see, uh, when the Lord calls me home to heaven, whenever that is, I mean, I hope it's a while yet, but whenever the Lord calls me home to heaven, I want to make sure that the work and ministry of Sunshine USA continues, reaching people for Christ and teaching Christians the Bible. Amen. Well, let's get out our Bibles now and turn in our Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Verses 37 through 49. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 37 through 49. And um, <laughs> I might better get my glasses here. <laughs> you know, that's a sure sign that you're getting on in years, and that is the fact. <laughs> that you have to get your glasses to read most anything. Amen? Amen. So let me get my glasses out. And let's see what we have to see here. John chapter 1, verses 37 through 49. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, uh, Master, where dwellest thou? And he said unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, and Simon, Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him unto Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Now, I want to stop with verse 42 for just a moment. Notice he refers to Jesus, I mean, Jesus refers to Peter as a stone. You see, Jesus uh, knew a lot about Peter already. <laughs> he not only knew the kind of person Peter was, but he also knew the potential that Jesus had, I mean, that Peter had. <laughs> you know, he knew who Peter's father was. So Jesus knew about his family background. And he said, you were the stone. Now he says that knowing that Peter had some rough edges. I mean, when we read about Peter, we read about someone who had a temper problem in some places. We know that at one point he denied Jesus. So he had some rough edges, no doubt about that. 
But Jesus had the ability to see the kind of person that Jesus, that Peter could become. And that's why he refers to Jesus, uh, Jesus refers to Peter as the stone. Now, you know, Peter goes on to become one of the pillars in the first century church. In the first century church, you might say Peter was the leader. He played a very important part in the work of God following the resurrection of Jesus. And so, obviously, the Lord knew the kind of person that Peter would become. And therefore, the Lord was not especially worried about the rough edges that Peter had. Because Jesus knew over time he would be smoothing out those rough edges. And of course, you know, Jesus still does that today. <laughs> I, I remember when I first got saved back in 1969. Let me tell you, <laughs> down through the years, Jesus has had some rough edges he's had to work off of me. And if Jesus could smooth over the rough edges in my life, I know he could do the same for you. Amen. Just like he did for Peter. You know, and, you know, like Peter, we're not perfect. I mean, there's no way you could say Peter was perfect. But Peter became a solid rock believer. There was a time, sure, when Peter denied Jesus. But he didn't stay a denier, he grew. And he went on not only to believe in Jesus, but would ultimately become a martyr for Jesus. In fact, tradition tells us that Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified in the same way that his Lord Jesus was crucified. In other words, Peter becomes among the first martyrs for the Lord. So he came a long way from the time that he denied Jesus. You know, um, I see people in churches today who are believers. They're not perfect. Some of them have just recently been saved. Some of them come from very questionable backgrounds. But that's okay because I know what Jesus can do to a life over time that is committed to him. Now, by the way, before we get any further with the calling of these disciples, let me say this. When Jesus calls disciples, both then and now, he is looking for commitment. Jesus was looking for men who would follow him and be fully committed to him. Jesus wants today someone who is more than just a Sunday morning believer. You know, some people, you know, they go to church on Sunday morning and they say, well, you know, I've done my religious thing for the week. That's not commitment. <laughs> That's not the kind of commitment Jesus is looking for. Jesus wants people who are going to love him and serve him seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And by the way, you don't have to be a preacher for God to use you. 
Let me say that again. You don't have to be a preacher for God to use you. God can use whoever is committed to him. I mean, seriously, God can use whoever is committed to him. But he wants them available seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I'm thinking right now about a businessman who got saved. And one of the first things he did, he started seeing to it that his church was well-funded. In other words, he gave a lot of money to the church. You know, he said, God hasn't called me to be a pastor, but I could certainly help to pay my pastor's salary so that he can be a pastor full time. <laughs> and he uh, decided to give money to missionaries so that they could serve the Lord full time on the mission field. And he saw the money that he was able to give through business. He saw that money as being something that could become his ministry. Amen. Praise the Lord. The more money he made as a, as a businessman, the more money he knew he could give to the work of God. In fact, I'm told about one businessman who even got to the point where he only kept about 10% of the money he made to live on and 90% of it was given away. So you see, God can use people from all walks of life in his service and for his glory. Um, I saw a documentary the other day on this man who worked or works for the South Carolina Department of Corrections. And he works as the head cook at one of the prisons in South Carolina. And he said that he sees the work that he does as a cook as his ministry to the inmates. He knows, first of all, they want good food. And it also gives him a chance from time to time to converse with these prisoners and share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, as a cook, that man is in contact with people that can't go to his church. And so he carries the gospel to them. Amen. Praise the Lord. God can use you wherever you are to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those people. I, I talked the other day to someone. They said, man, I hate my job. It pays good, but I hate my job. And I said, now, wait a minute. I said, uh, you have to realize God may have you where he has you for a reason. Among other things, God wants you to God wants to use you as a minister to your workplace. And they looked at me, they said, you know, I never thought of it like that. I said, you know, you have access to people who will probably never darken the door of a church. And so you're the logical person that God can use to bring those people to him. Now, ever since I told that person that, they have been a whole new person. Now they find themselves actually looking forward to going to work. Because now they see a ministerial purpose behind their work. 
they see that they can serve God even though they are doing secular work. They see themselves as people who can be used of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's read on. It says, And the day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew, and Peter. And Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. That's verse 45. Now this, of course, points out something very important. And that is the fact that Jesus was actually prophesied by Moses and the prophets. I mean, Jesus just didn't come on the scene all of a sudden. The coming of Jesus into this world to be our Savior, it was prophesied long ago in the Old Testament. Now, these Old Testament believers, they, they never met Jesus they never saw Jesus personally, but yet the Old Testament prophets knew that Jesus was coming. And so his life and ministry was prophesied in the Old Testament long before it ever happened. Well, let's uh, go on further here. Verse 46. And Nathanael said unto him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him, Come and see. Think about that question for a moment. Nathanael says, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Now, Nazareth is where Jesus lived at the time. And back in those days, Nazareth was a very small town. Now, I am, I've never been to the Holy Land. I, you know, man, I tell you, I would love to go, but I'm afraid that this body that I live in now is so old and decrepit, <laughs> I'm not sure I could navigate the Holy Land now, even though I would love to. And I'm told by people that have been to the Holy Land recently, they say that in our modern day, Nazareth is actually a pretty big city. I mean, it almost looks like a western city today. But back then, Nazareth was a very small town. It was seemingly a small town in the middle of nowhere. So, you know, it's not surprising that Nathaniel would say, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And of course, ultimately, the answer to that question is sure, yes. Jesus came out of Nazareth. Amen. And um, verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael come, coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no cow. And Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Now, notice when um, this person comes to Jesus, Nathanael. 
Notice that Jesus knows all about him already. And Nathaniel is seemingly surprised by this. Jesus, how can you know me? <laughs> he says, Jesus, I don't know you, and I don't know how you can know me. <laughs> Nathaniel just couldn't quite figure it out. But, you know, Jesus knew all about Nathaniel. And, oh, yes, he knew that Nathaniel at the time was obviously not a believer. But once again, Jesus didn't look at who Nathaniel was. He looked at who Nathaniel would become. And it was so exciting. And then we find in verse 49, Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. <laughs> so you see, uh, Nathanael was already recognizing who Jesus was now. And of course, no doubt, after spending three years with Jesus, Nathanael would come to know Jesus even more closely. And I want you to know that just as Jesus was calling disciples then, he's still calling disciples today. People that are willing to believe in him, learn everything about him, and serve him. This is why I believe with all my heart that um, Jesus wants us to spend time every day in the Word of God. Because the more time we spend in the Word of God, the closer we're going to get to God, the more we're going to know about God, and the more effectively we'll be able to serve others. I had such a blessing uh, this morning this morning, even before I turned on the news, in fact, I have yet to turn on the news because I decided, you know, I'm going to get out my Bible and before I do anything else today, I'm going to spend time in the Word of God, which I did. And then after that, I started getting ready for this broadcast. And only after I finished doing this broadcast will I get on with some of the other things on my schedule today. But I not only want to give the Lord time every day, I want to give him the first part of my day. I want to give him that part of the day when I'm strongest and most alert. And this is going to be different for, you know, different people. You know, some people, they get up in the morning and it's about half a day before they get percolating. <laughs> so for you... Uh, the, the best time of the day to study God's word might be the middle part of the day. It might be at night, either before supper or before you go to bed. But make sure it's a time when you're not too tired to study the word of God. And make sure it's a time when you're fully alert. Now, one of the things I recommend is that you let your close friends know when it is every day that you're going to spend time with the Lord and you let them know, hey, 
this is this is my part of the day <laughs> that I give to Bible study and doing my ministry. Uh, most people that know me here in Greenville, South Carolina, they know that when I get up, I'm going to spend time in the morning with God. And then I'm going to do this radio broadcast and then I get on with the rest of my day, whatever that might be. It might be a doctor's appointment, going to buy groceries or whatever. But I try to put God first. Now, I'm not saying I'm perfect. <laughs> I know that I'm far from perfect. But that's at least, you know, what I try to do. I, I want to spend time every day with the Word of God. I mean, how can you love someone? How can you care about someone and not want to spend time with them? You know, uh, I was talking the other day on the phone to someone and uh, this uh, particular person, they don't go too much of anywhere and they don't go to church anymore because they say it's not safe. You know, we live in such a violent world. And one of the things I asked this person, I said, well, do you go other places? I mean, do you go to Walmart? Do you go to McDonald's? Do you go to sporting events? Do you go to movies? I mean, if you do other things, then you ought to be able to find it safe enough to go to church. You know, I can't imagine someone being saved and not wanting to go to church. Now, I don't go to church in order to be saved. I don't go to church in order to have a home in heaven. I go to church because I love God and because I want to worship God with other believers and I want to have fellowship with other believers. Amen. You know, I, I tell you, I've learned from firsthand personal experience. As great as it is to watch a church service online or on television or listen to it on radio, it's not a substitute for being there in person. I remember last year at this time, I was a resident in an assisted living facility. And uh, they didn't let us get out too much. And uh, I, I didn't get to go to church much at all. And I became very thankful for churches that have uh, an internet ministry and a radio or television ministry. But I knew that for me, it wasn't the same as being there in person. And now that I'm not in that assisted living facility anymore, now that I've got my own place, my own apartment, I thank God that I have the freedom to go to church in person. Because you see, when I go to church in person, I can have fellowship with other believers. I can have fellowship with other believers in a way that's not possible by way of radio, television, or the Internet. I mean, it's kind of like saying, you know, if you're a sports fan, let's say, for example, you're a college football fan, would you rather watch a college football game on TV, or would you rather be there in person? Most of you would say it's no contest. I'd rather be there in person. Well... It's the same way. You ought to want to be in church, in person. Amen? Amen. 
Well, I hope you, that you have enjoyed uh, today's broadcast. Next time, we're going to talk about the first miracle that Jesus performed. It was performed at a wedding in a place called Cana. We're going to be talking about that on the very next broadcast. Uh, now, by the way, you can read about that in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. That's where you can read about Jesus performing that first miracle at the wedding feast of Cana. Uh, now, if you have any Bible study questions or if you have any prayer requests, the best way to let me know is by email. And I have two email addresses. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com and the other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. Either way, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to have you ask me any questions you want to about the Bible or maybe about one of the broadcasts that you have listened to. And I would love to hear your prayer requests. And if you give me permission, I'll be glad to share your prayer requests with our radio audience. Um, I think this is a good thing to do because of the fact that, uh, to me, it's comforting to know that you have Christians all across America and all throughout the world that are praying over the prayer request that you have. To me, that's powerful. Amen. Now, if you'd like to contact me by snail mail, my snail mail address is Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street. That's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510. That's apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. That's Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. And if you feel led of the Lord, you're perfectly welcome to send a financial contribution to this ministry as we try to grow for the future. Amen. Like I said, we put it to effective use, any money that you send. And I can let you know personally, I don't receive any money for doing this broadcast. I don't receive a salary from Sunshine USA. I do it all for free. Because I want any money coming in to be used for the ministry of Sunshine USA. You know, I'm not buying $85 million jet airplanes. I'm using the money to preach and pro proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Well, I've enjoyed uh, being with you today. I hope that you've enjoyed it. One of the things that you can do uh, if you uh, enjoy this program is to share with other people <laughs> the news about this podcast. Tell them to tune in to Sunshine USA. You can tell them where you tune in at, and I'm sure that they would love to listen to the gospel as well. And uh, because, like I say, if you enjoy this ministry, you know others that would enjoy this ministry too. And let me tell you, you are the best advertising that this ministry has. You are the best advertising that this ministry has. I can assure you of that. You know, <laughs> we don't have a more effective marketing means than for those who listen to this broadcast 
to share the good news of the broadcast with other people. Amen? Amen. Well, until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.